Welcome to World's Wonders, a podcast by the Winding Rivers Library System, where we host lively and informative conversations about topics of interest to libraries in western Wisconsin and the world. Because we were having so much fun and we couldn't stop talking, this episode is a continuation of the previous episode. If you have not listened to part one, go to www.wrlsweb.org podcast to find it. And now, our next World's Wonders. Okay, so I think one of the issues that a lot of libraries face is what's going to happen to the revenue that they'll lose because of going fine free. I'm wondering if you guys could t- you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm going I'm going sans notes here, so don't quote me on the numbers. But we took in the year previous to going fine free, we took in around eighty thousand um, dollars. We still do have some fines this year. I think we took in around twelve thousand. Dollars. I don't know that that's an accurate number. I think that was like around November. That but was significantly the less. Yeah, significantly less. So we did lose a big chunk of money. However, on our infographic, that was only 1.2% of our total income. So like, yes, that sounds like a lot of money. But in the scheme of things, it's 1.2%. So um, we knew we could make this up. And I am not the budgetary genius that Pamela is, so our director was able to go in and kind of look at different cost-saving options that we had. One of the things that um, allowed us to lower our expenses a little bit was we had several people retire in 2017 um, that had been there for a very long time. And so, you know, you go from when you replace them Yes, you're still replacing them, but their replacement costs a significant amount less than someone who's worked there for 35 years. So we did save a little bit of money on staffing. There was another place we saved money that I just cannot for the life of me remember. We also kind of wrapped into that, that we're saving this money on this thing we would have bought. Like I talked about Mm. doing fines payment at the self-check. It's not a thing we had previously spent, but it's a thing that we would have had to spend money on that we aren't spending money on so we're saving money on that too um also it just so happened thankfully that um we knew 2018 that budget year we'd get some more money from our county cross county reimbursement um so that went up a little bit so that was really cool and then there was another section that we were getting a little bit more income from so and that i can't remember off the top of my head so we had found two things to kind of decrease our operating expense and two things to increase our revenue um, that we were able to kind of present to the board and present to the city and say, look, we can do this and it's not going to impact our bottom line. And I think that was really important. So as much as I like to believe that we would have gone fines free no matter what, I think a big part of it had to do with the fact that we were able to find that money in the budget without decreasing services to the public, without impacting like staffing, without impacting um, really anything that we're offering to anyone. Um, so that was a really fortuitous circumstance that helped us uh, get this passed. So, Paula, there are a lot of people who are um, philosophically supportive of going fine-free and believe that it it can be a a good service to patrons, but there are um, limitations imposed on libraries by the municipalities and requiring that income still. 
And this can get a little um, politically fraught in a system environment where we all try to be good neighbors to each other. And when decisions are made by libraries, there are um, impacts that are unintentional um, many times on other neighboring libraries. Can you talk a little bit about how that worked um, between Ellie Phillips and your neighbors in um, IFLIS? Yeah. Um, so when we decided to go finds free, I think there was a lot of speculation within IFLIS that um, neighboring libraries, particularly those close by, we live really close to Altoona, to Chippewa Falls, to Menominee, you know, depending on where some of our customers live, they use both. And so I think a lot of those close libraries, especially, were worried about losing customers to Eau Claire. Um, we also had people farther afield that were worried about losing customers to Eau Claire and were like, you know, these 10 cent fines really aren't going to make people drive an hour to go to the fines free library. They're just not. So there was that worry. We also weren't the first people to go fines free um, in our system. We had Deer Park Public Library, which has been fines free as long as I can remember. They just never jumped on the fines bandwagon back when it happened all those years ago. So they've been fines free all this time. Their items were still on the shelf. Their neighboring libraries were still open. Within the time that I was have been at IFLIS, Rice Lake and Augusta Public Libraries have both gone fines free. And they were both able to attest to the fact that no, people did not like flock from neighboring libraries from one to the other. So I think that helped maybe like justify what we were doing, that we weren't being bad neighbors, even if our neighbors maybe like felt like it might mm-hmm. work out that way. And I don't know that it did or not. I haven't seen the end of year stats for all our neighboring libraries, but I really don't think that our 6% circulation increase came from other libraries. I think a lot, it came from people checking out larger piles of stuff. We also did have some neighboring libraries that were like, yay, you went fines free. And so now I can go to my board and say, I have to go fines free because look at Eau Claire, they're 10 minutes away and they went fines free. So we got to keep up, you know, keeping up with the Joneses kind of a thing. So I think being in a system, it can go both ways. Um, But I do know that we did not have people flocking from a half an hour away just to come Finds free. No one like came to the desk and was like, I'm here today from Elk Mound because I heard about your finds freeness and I wanted to come because I intend to not return these books on time. So I'm going to check them out here. <laughs> like people just don't do that. So I don't think that those fears are were realized in our situation. Um, and I understand that, you know, not everyone can go finds free, but uh, I just think that if that's something that you believe philosophically, you should be actively taking steps to, no matter how opposed your board might be. You know, there's always some wiggle room. So Paula, how do you respond to people who think your stuff won't come back now that you're not charging fines? Uh, Yeah, so I think that that's the biggest customer, I'm not going to call it a complaint, but customer curiosity that we get is customers that say, oh, there's nothing on the shelf. It's because your fine's free. No, it's because our circulation went up. Oh, there will never be another book in the library again because people won't ever have to bring it back. And the answer that I give to customers and that I have instructed all of my staff to give to customers is to explain that billing cycle that we have. Um, that was also on our infographic that we use to train the staff and to um, support our case. And so the billing cycle might not be something 
customers are aware of that there is even one you know for a customer who's never had an overdue book in their life um they might never have gotten an overdue notice but we do still send out an overdue notice at seven days and we send one out at 14 days um previously we'd send it out at 50 and 30 so we're shortening up those overdue notices so that people are getting that um we also change the wording in our overdue notices um that was long overdue but it was like previously like bring this stuff back or else and now it's like please return this when it's convenient for you we'd really appreciate having our stuff back or else (laughs) um so we we softened that language a little bit in the overdues um in the hopes that people would understand that there weren't those negative consequences to bringing things back late we also shortened our billing. Used to, our bills used to go out at 45 days. Now they go out at 21 days. When someone gets a bill for an item, their account is blocked. Even if the item costs like five bucks, um, they can't check anything out until that item is brought back or paid for. And so that's something really great that we like to explain to those customers who are worried about the items on the shelf is that, yeah, you can take it and bring it back later and have no consequences, but you can't take it and keep it and have no consequences. And so the consequences, you lose your library privileges. And um, for most people, that is what actually triggers them to bring the stuff back is they want more stuff. It's not that they feel an unending sense of responsibility to their fellow people. It's that they want more stuff. So having that billing cycle come sooner is really helpful. Um, we also did keep our collection agency. I know collection agencies are kind of contentious in the library world to use, not to use. We have used one as long as I've been there, and we decided to continue using one as kind of that extra security measure for bringing those items back. We did not shorten the length of time that people go to collections because we do have a collection agency fee that we pay, and then we pass that on to the customer. Um, so there is a fee associated with that. Um, so we kept that still at like 75 days. I think it's like 78 technically. And we kept that at 75 days. And so that customer still does go to collections and then it's kind of out of our hands and we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to worry about it. The collection agency tracks them down, sends them the letter, all that jazz. They just call us up and say, okay, I brought my book. If I bring my books back, how much do I owe? And then when you say you owe just the $10 collection fee rather than $10 plus $5 per item, because that was our like max fine per item, um, that $10 becomes much more manageable than $65 or something like that. So um, we're using these things to both get our items back, but also to have a softer approach to get our customers back after they have that negative experience. So now that you've had a full year to kind of experience all of this, is there anything looking back that you wish you would have done differently? Um, definitely more marketing. Like I said, I don't really know how I would have done more marketing, but more. Like, I just wish more people knew about it coming in. I just wanted that one customer to come to the desk when I was standing there and be like, I heard you were fines free and I'd like a library card. Or I heard you were fines free and I haven't been in for 10 years because of that $15. Can I please come back and check out a movie? Like, I wanted that and that didn't happen. Um, again, I don't know how I could have made that happen, but it would have been nice. We also did a kind of a big reveal January 1st, and we wanted that to be exciting, and I wanted that customer to come in on January 2nd and say that to me. 
um, and that didn't happen. So I don't know that I would have changed when we did it, but maybe marketed ahead of time a little bit more. I don't know what the negative consequences to that would have been because like we anticipated there being a lot of people not paying fines and arguing about fines they had paid in the past and stuff like that. I don't know if that would have happened if we'd done it. But keeping things under wraps, I don't know, looking back, that that was like the best way to do it. It wasn't a bad way, but I don't know. We've done a lot of additional marketing pushes after the fact. Uh, We did some in the summer. We're doing some again this year. You know, just constantly pulling up that old information and putting it on the front page of our website. Um, So I think that's been really helpful and I think we could have done more of that throughout the course of the year. I also would have kept better statistics. Um, So I brought this to the management team in February, like I said, and I didn't start keeping statistics until like September when it actually looked like this was going to be a real thing. And so for our fines free year, I had the statistics I wanted from September through December or for our fines year, September through December. And then I was able to this whole last 2018 year, keep those same statistics I wanted. So I have like a full year to compare to four months, which is cool. I can, I can work with that. But theoretically, I would have liked to keep all of those statistics I was gathering for a full year prior to going fines free. I think that would have been a little bit more helpful for me analyzing data after the fact. So you mentioned some of the statistics you've been gathering, and you mentioned some anecdotes um, about this project, but how are you officially measuring success? Yeah, I struggle with this question because I, like, I just think it's successful at the end. So there's a couple things that we've attributed to Finds Free. Like I said, the rise in circulation is up about around 6%. That's awesome. People are checking more stuff out, which I think is a direct impact of that going fines free decision so I think that's a huge measure of success like I said I don't know that we can attribute all six percent to fines free but I think that's really helpful in justifying our decision to people who are questioning it now a year later it's been really hard to measure success in this because we have had so many other changes in our library system Um, We're not living in a vacuum at the library, uh, which would be very nice for my statistics. I could, like, (laughs) say unequivocally that Finds Free is great. But we have done a huge weeding project um, to make our collection more attractive. We've added face-outs to the entire adult collection, which just looks beautiful. We've added a couple, um, like, high-cert collections, that are, you know, all face out and display type things um, that have been really popular. So we've made the collection more attractive. We also switched to lending library rules um, as a system. If let's switch to lending library rules, uh, and it changes how long things check out for, um, how many times you can renew them. We now allow people to renew things like the day of checking them out if they need to. Uh, So this switch also probably impacted lots of things. We also switched to local holds priority, um, which means that Eau Claire items fill Eau Claire holds before they go to other libraries in the system. Um, We did that primarily to cut down on transit times and to 
just see how it goes. But that's been really helpful for our circulation too, I'm sure. So just with all of these things going on through the course of 2018, and they all happened at different times too, it's very, very hard to isolate one and say, this is successful because this number went up. But Cirque's up, so I'm calling it a success. (laughs) We also kind of had a domino effect in our system. Uh, Eau Claire being the largest library in the IFLIS library system, you know, people look to us for changes, I guess. Or maybe they're just like, Eau Claire did it, so, and it didn't fail miserably, so we can too. So we had several other libraries in our system make this change. In my mind, I would love IFLIS to be the first fines-free library system in Wisconsin, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Another thing that I'm, a way that I measure, measure success is the happy staff. I've had numerous staff comments that are, you know, I like coming to work because I don't get yelled at. So that's great. Uh, when we waived all old fines on January 1st, uh, we freed up about 5,000 existing accounts, and those accounts are still free. I mean, not necessarily those accounts, but our number of blocked cards has been the same since January. It hasn't gone back up. Um, So I measure that as a success as well, the fact that we were able to take that 20% and shrink it, and it stayed shrunk. Let's see here. What else? We, um, oh, yeah. So we initially, when going into this, we thought our cardholder number would go up. And that was kind of one of our things that we were looking for to measure success. However, towards the end of the year, IFLIS also changed the um, expiration of fines for the system. Previously, fines could just sit on cards, regardless of where they came from, for forever. And we changed that this year to all fines, even replacement fees and stuff like that go away after 10 years. And that hadn't been done previously. So when we wiped that stuff, a lot of cards went bye-bye that had been expired, you know, for 10 years since those fines were on them, but hadn't been purged from the system because they had fines on them. So we actually went down in our cardholder number this year. So that again, is really hard to measure, did we increase patrons at all, you know, active patrons, because I had never thought prior to do anything more than count the number of card holders. Like, going back now that I know all of the cards that we deleted, I would have, like, used our Cirque Active field to see, okay, how many people have used their card in the last year, and now this year, how many people have used their card in the last year. But I didn't do that because I didn't know we were going to make this change. So it's hard to know whether our actual, like, active patron count went up. I would hope it would have. Um, But again, we don't know. So let's see here. Other measures of success are the books are still on the shelf. We did experience, we have experienced an increase in overdue items, like, a few days overdue, but our 75 days overdue, and that's just a number I use because that's when we send people to collections for overdue items. We use a collection agency. So any accounts that are 75 days overdue, we did not experience any increase in overdue items um, at that point. So I'm calling that a success that, you know, we didn't lose our books. So that's cool. We also have less customers at collections, 
which is another level of success that I'm going to pat myself on the back for. So we are sending the same number of people to collections, but we have 14% less people at collections at any given time. So what that tells me is not necessarily that people aren't keeping the items like they used to for 75 plus days, but when they get that collection information from the collection agency that says you're at collections now, it's much easier for them to come into the library and clear up their account. Because if they still have those books, they bring it back. They do owe a fee now, a collection agency fee that we pay and pass on to them. But um, they don't owe all of those overdue fees for the 30 plus books or whatever. So I think it's easier for customers financially to clear up their accounts now without having to worry about those overdue items. We also, like I said, unblocked about 5,000 accounts on January 1st, which was great. That number of blocked accounts was around 4,000 customer accounts around January, and at the end of December, it was down to 3,500 blocked accounts. So our blocked accounts actually went steadily decreased throughout the entire year. Um, So I'm measuring that as a level of success, too, because not only did our blocked accounts not go back up, which some libraries who purge fines have seen, but it kept going down. And I think that is part of that, you know, slow catch on that we had, those people who came in in June or those people who came in in August and just then realized that we were fines free and, oh, their fine is no longer $160, it's $11 and they can probably pay that today. So all of those things together, I'm very happy with our decision to go fines free, not saying there hasn't been struggles along the way, but um, I think we've had some really good outcomes. So if there's a library director or a circulation manager listening in who is interested in going find free, what is one piece of advice you would give them? Um, I think I'm going to give them two because I'm an overachiever. I think the first piece of advice is when you want this and uh, you decide to go for this, no is not no. It's just try again later and have plan A through E. Um, so that's where I was at my previous job. My first answer I got with fines free was no. And so I dropped fine amounts on DVDs and I got rid of fines on children's materials and like stuff like that. And I enacted those plans A through E. So I'm just not a take no for an answer kind of person. No is like a ask again later or come up with a different plan kind of a thing. So I think anyone interested in going fines free, you can do it. Might not do it in a year, might be 10, but you can do it. And then the other thing, uh, in order to be really successful at this, you need to speak to um, your library board in a way that is meaningful to them. And so for us, that was creating this infographic with these statistics on children that are not proficient in reading. That was really, really powerful for us. Um, And the black cards was really, really powerful. So find what speaks to your community and make that your... Go back to it over and over and over again. This is why we're doing it. The crying kids who can't read. You know, so um, find a way to speak to your community and just put yourself on repeat until you get fines free. Mm-hmm. That's really excellent advice related to any new initiative. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's great. Is there anything we didn't ask you, Paula, that we should have asked you? Anything else you'd like to share? Um, I 
feel like there was other things I was going to say, but I can't remember them now. <laughs> so right. I guess if anyone listening has questions, they're welcome to contact me if I skipped things or didn't tell them fun stuff. Oh, I will say this. When we waived all of the fines, I was like super excited. And Sierra, you can batch delete fines. I was really excited about doing it all and hitting this one big button and like confetti would fall from the ceiling. And it's actually not nearly as fun as that. So um, if you're going to do that, just be aware that confetti does not fall from the ceiling. You actually have to hit several buttons, not one big one. Um, but that is totally a fun thing to do. So, And it is possible to batch wave fines. I know other libraries who went fine free in our system did not know that. Um, so if you are on Sierra and you need to batch wave fines, contact your system administrator about how to do that. Absolutely. And you mentioned that Ellie Phillips has been undergoing quite a few changes in the last couple of years. Can you tell us what's on the horizon for Ellie Phillips? Yeah. Um, we are doing a building project right now, and that's very exciting. Um, we just finished up the fundraising feasibility study, and next week there's a meeting that presents those results. So I'm excited to go to that and see what the study came up with and what the results were of that. Um so hopefully in the next couple of years, if you come to the Ellie Phillips Library, it'll be bigger than it is right now. That would be really great. We're looking for additional square footage to house a larger collection and to house um, meeting rooms and study rooms and just more community use space, which would be really great. Um, so I'm excited to see where that goes. I really want like a water slide or <laughs> a conservatory with palm trees, but I don't know that we'll get that per se. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be very exciting and we'll stay tuned. So, well, thank you so much, Paula, for coming in today. We really appreciate it. And we will put your contact information on our website along with the infographic that you've mentioned. And I am assuming you will um, be happy to communicate with any of our members or listeners who might have additional questions about Ellie Phillips' adventure and going fine furry. Yeah, I am more than happy to do that. I have lots of beautiful graphs that I made of my results. So if you need numbers that say that the books are still on the shelf, I had those numbers for you. If you need numbers that say the accounts got unblocked, I have those numbers for you. So yeah, feel free to contact me for any questions or just any information to help back up your argument. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of World's Wonders, a podcast of the Winding Rivers Library System. For supporting information and links to other episodes, please go to www.wrlsweb.com. Dot org slash podcast. <laughs>